0: Hey, everybody. We are live again at Build, and we are talking to Rachel McFarlane and Matt Bierner. Uh, Do you folks want to say hi?
1: Hello. Uh, We are both developers on Visual Studio Code.
0: Awesome. Now, we had a little bit of a snafu recording, so you've already told me what you do, but do you want to tell the audience again?
1: Sure. So, basically, we talked about the month-to-month workflow of Mm -hmm. Visual Studio Code and sort of our process for that. Uh, So the breakdown is basically for the first week of a month, we'll work on reducing technical debt. We spend two weeks working on new features, and then Mm -hmm. we spend a week of uh, testing and stabilizing. And so that's how we iterate quickly and produce um, monthly builds.
2: Very cool. And I'm working on Visual Studio Code's JavaScript, TypeScript, and Markdown support, and then also doing some of the API design work. Um, And just for the day-to-day way we go about doing our work, it's all pretty much out in the open. So we're working on GitHub, interacting with community members, triaging issues as they come in, uh, following up with people as they Mm -hmm. report new issues or have feature requests, um, working with PRs and other things. Um, And then as we're developing a new feature, we'll try to check it in incrementally and get it into Insiders as fast as possible. Um, So for a lot of TypeScript features that that I'm adding, I'll check in an initial version that will be kind of in a preview state for Insiders and that code, when I check it in today, it will be in the build tomorrow and everybody on the VS Code team and then anybody that's using Visual Studio Code Insiders will be able to start testing it and providing feedback on it tomorrow as well. Uh, so it's a very rapid uh, feedback cycle and that's really, I think, key to, to working. Um, and then it is very community driven. We are always interacting with the community and a lot of the, the feature requests and uh, way we prioritize work is coming through the community too.
0: That's interesting. I kind of want to dive into that just for a minute. Do you ever roll stuff back? You try it out, insiders try it, and it's like, yeah, that, that yep. wasn't a yes. good idea.
1: Uh, there's one example of this that happened pretty recently. Um, so we've been making changes to where the search view shows up. So mm-hmm. usually it's just in the sidebar, but we've right. added an option to also um, show it in the panel where the terminal is. huh. Um, and so as part of that work, we were trying to save as much vertical space as possible. So we combined um, the files to include and files to exclude Uh, Mm -hmm. boxes when you're searching. And we got a lot of feedback that people didn't like that and they preferred to have them be separate. Right. Um, So we rolled that back and changed it back to the way that it had been before.
0: Very cool. So what's coming out new in Visual Studio Code? I mean, I remember like at Connect, they were showing off the live sharing. I guess it's a little more seamless now. But yeah, are there other things that people should be looking forward to?
1: Uh, So we mentioned that um, GitHub really determines what we're working on. So one of the top rated issues is grid view. Uh, So being Uh able to support both vertical and horizontal splitting of editors. Um, So that's something that's currently in the works uh, for this iteration. Right. Um, Another thing that we're working on is improved settings UI. So currently the experience is when you look at your settings, um, there's sort of a split view where it shows you on the left Mm -hmm. side, the default settings, and then on the right side, you're just plopped into uh, a JSON file where you're editing. Them. Um, I still
0: haven't quite figured that part out. Right,
1: yeah, it's very confusing if you come yep. there for the first time, you're not exactly sure what to do. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to have a more traditional uh, gotcha. settings UI there, um, and we're currently iterating on that. You can actually check it out in the Insiders build mm-hmm. right now. Um, there's a command to open settings experimental, um, which will show you what we're working on.
0: So is it not a JSON file then that you're editing? It's
1: It's more still a, a JSON visual? file, but the UI for it is uh, okay. friendlier.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah, And for people that do like editing the JSON file, it's still possible to to get back to the old experience.
0: Long live the power user.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs)
0: Anything else that we should be talking about here?
2: Uh, Well, over in uh, JavaScript and TypeScript land, um, we're picking up a new version of TypeScript this iteration. Um, Probably the most exciting features are things like highlighting unused variables in your code, um, which is already possible if you configure some things specifically. But this will be for just out of the box, we'll be able to highlight when a variable or a parameter or an import is unused now. Um, some other exciting ones that are not quite in yet, but we're working on are refactorings to move a class or a function to a new file. Mm-hmm. And also when you move a file on the Explorer, making sure that all the paths that reference it are also properly updated. So those are things we're actively working on, but aren't quite in Insiders yet. Um, We're also continuing to refine, organize imports, make that a little bit easier to use. And then there's some nice new features around JS docs, a lot of improvements there. You can can start doing things like referencing a type from another file without actually importing it in your module. So you're not actually writing a require or an import statement, Mm -hmm. you can just put that in the JS docs directly.
0: Very nice. Now, um, I think when we talked before, you mentioned that, because I asked about other languages and you said that that's all part of the API surface for Visual Studio Code itself. Um, I I guess what I'm wondering is, did you have to expand any of that, you know, create any new APIs for that? Or is that all just built in to the extension?
2: um, So the JavaScript and TypeScript support is just an extension. Um, It's one that ships with Visual Studio Code. And our built-in extensions are one way that we kind of push the API forward. We'll get a Mm -hmm. new requirement or something new that we need to support. For example, being able to respond when you rename a file. We don't have an API that allows you to do that as an extension currently. Right. But To support this feature in TypeScript, we'll need to add one. That That's not to say that their built-in extensions are the only ones that are actually providing new API or pushing the API forward. There's um, other languages out there like Dart and then all the ones that are using the language server protocol that are mm-hmm. also coming in with feature requests all the time gotcha. that we're adding to extend the API. Um, It just happens that TypeScript is able to iterate pretty quickly, and they're often pushing the boundaries of what is possible. So they're a good one at actually making us think about what we need to support in the Visual Studio extension API. Nice. Yeah, I just switched
0: over from Emacs. I've been an Emacs user for many years. I just switched over to Visual Studio Code. And mainly it was just because when I tried to switch over to uh, IDEs, there was just way too much going on Mm -hmm. and visual studio code kind of splits the difference and the extension support has gotten to the point now where it's it's worth me making that switch for my projects that i run in ruby so it's it's definitely cool work that you guys are doing i'm really digging a lot of the stuff that's going on there i'm i'm curious how do people follow along you know you said you work in the open and you know all this stuff's on github i mean do you just star the repo or follow the repo or is there some other way to keep track of what's going on?
1: I think that's a fair way to do it Uh, we also have a pretty active Twitter account Um, so it's at code if you want to follow that we'll always tweet about Mm -hmm. uh, new releases new exciting features Um, so that might be a bit more digestible than just trying to look at the issues in our GitHub repo and figure out what we're doing from that
0: yeah I hadn't actually thought about that but Last week I was trying to run a task and I was like, I just need like a key,
1: Uh
0: a key map for this. So I tweeted at code and I got a response from Eric Gamma. So
1: that's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's plenty of help out there.
2: Yeah, and definitely if you want to get the latest and greatest features beyond VS Code Insiders as well, mm-hmm. that's where we're using day-to-day to develop, so we try to keep it pretty stable. Right. Um, but that will have the changes from yesterday uh, at the at the latest actually coming in, mm-hmm. um, so you can see whatever new is being added. Um, if you are looking at the GitHub repo, we have um, iteration plans we post each time for each month, so you could just go into GitHub and search May iteration and see all the things we're planning on working on. Nice. They should link to the individual issues where you can follow along there. Um, And if you are on GitHub and you see a feature you really want supported, make sure to use like the thumbs up emoji on that issue, because that is one way we go about judging which ones we should prioritize. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a a good way to follow along. Interesting. So,
0: yeah. So do you do the iteration roadmaps one month at a time or do you have some idea of what you're going to be working on in June?
1: So we do have a roadmap for the entire year, which is, of course, more general and sort of the Uh areas we want to work on. Um, And then sort of month by month, we'll figure out what exact features we want to ship.
0: Yeah. I'm also curious, you mentioned like the first week of the month, you're working on technical debt.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: I'm curious, does that ever manifest in any way that people would actually see maybe in performance or speed or usability or anything like that?
2: Well, uh, so some of those things are helping us manage the product better. So on GitHub, you'll notice that there's a VS Code bot that will reply with possible duplicates sometimes or that will assign your issue automatically mm-hmm. or that will add labels to your issue automatically. So that's one one thing that we implemented as part of making serviceability easier for us. Um, right. Things like Rachel's worked on the issue reporter in the product as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of go into making it easier for us to maintain and kind of fall into technical debt as well. We'll do a lot of internal refactorings too to make the code more maintainable, add tests or improve tests, make them more reliable, right. those type of things. So anything that's kind of slowing us down that technical debt week is a good way to address those. And we'll also put uh, like larger issues like the issue reporter, those ones um, will be something that we will work on for a longer period of time. Right. The technical debt week is just a nice opportunity for everybody on the team to look at whatever is slowing them down and really focus on that.
0: What other things do you think people miss about Visual Studio Code or that you wish people knew about Visual Studio Code?
1: There are so many features. Sometimes discoverability is a big issue. Uh-huh. Um, so I've been talking to a lot of people at Build today. I've been staffing our booth. And sometimes people won't know about the command palette. Um, sometimes people won't know that we even have a, an integrated terminal. Right. Um, so I think there's we've tried to basically expose those in different ways throughout the product so that people will find them. Um, but sometimes people will just miss the fact that you can open up this little quick open and be able mm-hmm. to quickly execute any action or do quick file search um, through that.
0: Yeah, folks, if you don't know how to do that, it's really helpful.
1: Yeah, Control-P, Command-P, Yeah, use those.
0: Yeah, and when I was talking to uh, Amanda and Matt yesterday, um, and just a note to the listener, I did an interview yesterday, but the file's corrupted. So uh, Richard and Carl are trying to recover that for me. But they mentioned that um, in the live sharing that you can do, that you can actually share your terminal and things like that, <laughs> or that's something that they were working
2: on. I think that works um, still in progress. I don't know yeah. if it's in the current extension version, but they are working on it.
0: Yeah. So if this comes out in a few weeks, hopefully it's there. And if
2: not, then keep trucking because it's, <laughs> It'll it's be what there I'm soon. excited for. Well, one thing that I find with JavaScript users especially is that they're just used to basically using editors as a basic text editor. So as uh-huh. long as it, it kind of works for that, they're, they're happy and they don't realize that Visual Studio Code can actually provide completions and symbols and other things. You don't have to just use text search, you can actually search for a specific symbol and have it return the correct results. So that's really something that I'd wish people knew about more, is Mm -hmm. that in a lot of cases you can get proper completions. You can even do things like have TypeScript um, check your JavaScript code to see if there are any conflicting types based on JS doc parameters. So say your function takes a string and you're passing in a number, you can actually use the TS check feature to enable features like that. Nice. and I, I think that's another discoverability thing. like a lot of people don't even know that's possible and don't know that it should be possible in mm-hmm. their editor. So we're always trying to, to inform people about those type of features. Yep, absolutely. And it's I mean,
0: I've seen this with some of the other languages service or language services too, so I've done some Ruby and some other languages in vs code and yeah, those services provide a lot of that too. so it's a really, really handy
2: thing. So do you have any extensions that you find most helpful then?
0: Um, I think one of my favorites that I've just started playing with is the Docker extension. Oh, yeah. And they've, they've talked about it at past conferences and you know, kind of made a big deal out of it. But um, I've really gotten into a lot of the automation space. And so just being able to run a task that runs my tests or run a task that runs a linter or um, you know, doing the Docker setup and having that just kind of present so that when I push to CI and CD, it just... Mm-hmm. does what it's supposed to do and making that deployment seamless um, I really want to dig into the Azure extension a little bit more mm-hmm. and see if maybe I just want to start doing deployments up there because currently I'm deploying to a you know a server that's a virtual a virtual private server in somebody else's cloud and so it's kind of a process mm-hmm. to deploy it and okay. I have it scripted. But I think it'd be nice just to be able to say, oh, here's a new Docker container and swap it out. Right, yeah. So those are some of the things that I'm looking at right now. Um, I also find, though, that a lot of companies are either worried about expanding their headcount or they can't find the people that they want to expand their headcount with, right? They have the spot open they're looking to hire, but they just can't find somebody with the kind of experience that they want. And so, you know, I'm like, well, do some of this automation. You know, get that stuff out of your hair. And that way... The people that you're hiring then you're hiring to you know maintain a little bit of that and then contribute in the ways that are really meaningful to your business because there's no reason to go through the process of jumping through all the hoops to get your thing deployed when you can just write a script and basically have it happen or build it into a container and have it just pushed and so yeah that kind of a thing um, it seems like visual studio code has a lot of extensions that make that a lot easier
1: Mm
2: Well, around the automation thing, that's also something we've been working on as a team because we're, we're a fairly small team. And right. when you have 100 new issues coming in overnight on GitHub, that can quickly become a little unmanageable. So that's one reason we've invested in bots and other tooling to try to make sure that those issues are diagnosed without yeah. as with as little human intervention as possible. Just minimize the boring, repetitive work as part mm-hmm. of that so that it gets addressed um, by somebody as soon as possible and handled the right way. Um, so that's been really helpful to have, and it yeah. reduces a lot of the stress. One of the ways that we work as well is that we'll have somebody who's actually diagnosing when uh, the bot doesn't is- auto-assign is- an issue on GitHub. Somebody will actually be the issue tracker for the week, and mm-hmm. some issues are just too vague to for the bot to handle. Right. So the issue tracker will look at those issues and then ask the necessarily follow-up questions and then actually assign it to the correct owner. And everybody on that on the team goes through that role. It's a right. really good way to get a pulse on what types of things uh, people are running into, mm-hmm. what types of features they're requesting. Um, and we have everybody from Eric to uh, to me actually doing this issue triaging. Which, when you think right. about it, is kind of kind of crazy to have somebody a senior up as as Eric actually triaging issues. But it's that's just the distance between us and the community we have. There's there's zero yeah. distance there.
0: When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers. Who doesn't love that? Encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like Backups, Node Balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code JavaScriptJabber2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code, again, is JavaScriptJabber2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com careers to see their available positions. Well, and I think that's important. Also speaking to you know, having a bot to triage your, you know, your issues and things like that, I mean, yeah, I personally, as a Visual Studio Code user, I want you guys putting in as many awesome features as you can, right? And so if you get the same question 10 times, yeah, I'm, I'm happy having a bot go, oh, that's solved, here it is. Or, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we're going to push this to the right person so they can help you figure out you know, what you need to know. And, you know, and yeah, it saves all of you time. And then I get a better product because of it. So, but yeah, I also love that just the idea of, yeah, you know, Eric repi- replied to me on Twitter, yeah, um, you know, and he's looking at issues when it's his turn. And yeah, so nobody's so far removed from things to where they're saying, you know what, let's put this crazy feature in here that nobody's going to actually want.
1: Yep. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's the features we want.
0: Yeah. Well, and if you're working in it every day, there's that too, right? Right. Is, you know, if you're building Visual Studio Code with Visual Studio Code, if it's a pain to use, you guys are going to feel it. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's that's really helpful to, to know and to hear about. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite feature of Visual Studio Code?
1: There are so many. For, um, for me, it's, yeah, it's a pretty
2: simple one. Um, I mean, I was using things like Eclipse or Sublime before for editing JavaScript. Uh-huh. And you can configure those to provide IntelliSense. Um, but I never really realized how good the experience could be until going to Visual Studio Code. Um, and actually setting everything up properly for that, where it can provide proper suggestions and actually understand what types of properties are available and catch common programming errors. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just never had that type of experience before in a JavaScript editor of any type. I know that you can configure Sublime and other editors to do that. I just had never been able to do it properly before Visual Studio Code. Right. How about you?
1: Uh, I think similar answer. Um, I really love all of the IntelliSense. I also really love auto-imports. I work in TypeScript, Uh so that's really great. Um, I don't have to think about where to import this from, what is the path. I just type away, and it's imported, and I move on with my life. Um, I love that.
0: That's one I haven't seen yet. Really? Yeah. I I haven't done a whole lot of Angular in it yet, though. Okay.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it will show exported functions from anywhere in your project where you just type out the name and it'll automatically add the import at the top of the file.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to uh, get hooked on that.
1: <laughs> also, I really like terminal splitting, which is something that's been uh-huh. added pretty recently. Um, I use the terminal a lot and I'll frequently have some long running task, yeah. uh, like a watch task, and then I'll have split it so that I can do whatever I want side by side. Um, that's just really nice.
2: Yep. Yeah, and even just having an integrated terminal in the first place right, um, yeah. is a great feature. Because I know we have all the, the Git management stuff that you can use in the editor, but sometimes you just want to run a Git command directly in the terminal. You mm-hmm. just pop it open for a second, run Git commit or whatever you're looking to do, and right. then uh, continue editing. So it's really convenient. Gotcha. So one
0: other thing that I'd like to ask is uh, Visual Studio Code shares the name with Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. But to me, they're pretty different. So what what is the relationship between Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio?
2: They are different products, even though they, yeah. they share the same name. And they have um, somewhat different philosophies, but there are a lot of little common things between the two products. So mm-hmm. we'll use the same terms for a lot of things. We'll try to share the same key bindings for a lot of things. Um, but I think Visual Studio Code was more designed to focus on web developers. It's cross-platform, so mm-hmm. you can get it on your Mac, on Linux, on Windows Um and it has a slightly different philosophy where it's much more extension heavy. We try to provide a solid core and then build up what you can do using extensions. Um, Visual Studio is great for C Sharp, um, C++, all those type environments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more traditional for server type development, right. um, mobile or desktop application type development. You can use it for web development, just like you can use Visual Studio Code for developing server applications. Mm-hmm. But it, they are kind of focused on different areas there. Yeah. Um, and we try to make it easy to go between the two products by having those common key bindings and um, common terminologies, at least. But there are different workflows when you're switching between them. Gotcha. It also
0: seems like Visual Studio Code splits the difference between being a full-on IDE and a text editor. And so I wonder a little bit, how do you decide what what to put in and what not to put in You know, so that you don't overload it with too much stuff or mm-hmm. you know, affect performance or... You know, any of the other, you know, things that I could see coming up as you try and add more stuff in.
1: Right. Yes. That's something we think about a lot because we don't want it to be a bloated product. We want to keep it very lightweight and simple. Um, So we'll always ask like, would this be better for an extension? Uh Does this actually belong in the core products before we start working on something? Gotcha.
0: That makes sense. And I, I guess I didn't really think about the extension model, but yeah, then if you want that fancy schmancy tool that not everybody needs, yeah, you just put an extension. Right. And then if it makes your development life better, then great, and if somebody else doesn't want it, they don't have to have it.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: And the extensions are all designed so that they are lazily loaded, so that starting Visual Studio Code should always be fast. Uh-huh. And then if you need the advanced, like Docker extension, for example, that will load a little bit after, and um, it'll be loaded when you first need it. Right. So it, it should never actually slow down starting Visual Studio Code or getting to that core editor experience. Um, And that was a very intentional decision that was made early on with the whole extension API. And I think it's really paid off.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So how do you test Visual Studio Code?
1: Um, So I guess I can sort of describe our end game process when we are preparing for a release. Uh, So basically every team member will submit a GitHub issue Uh um, that is a test plan item that says, this new feature needs to be tested. uh, And everyone on the team will be assigned some set of those items. And they'll have to go test them. And then over the course of the week, they'll report bugs and the owner will fix those things. Right. Um, And then anything that's been fixed or closed in that month will also be tagged as needing verification. And so we'll go through all of the bugs, um, all of the small features and verify all of those. Uh, And then as we're coming closer to the release, when we actually have a build prepared, um, we will always do a sanity test. So everyone will install it on each Mm -hmm. platform and just make sure that everything works and is sensible. Um, We also have some automated testing that we run, um, yeah, that's that's
2: it. Yeah, and, and we have the unit tests, integration tests, those type of things right. that are being run. Um, for testing more abstract things, like the new settings UI, and just, you can't really test what the UI feels like, you just need to kind yeah. of use that. The insider's builds are really helpful, um, so we'll get a lot of good feedback through that, um, and try to get people using it as soon as possible and providing mm-hmm. that feedback.
0: Yeah, I've been using the stable builds. Is there a reason why I should look into using the uh, insider's builds?
2: Well, we try to keep them pretty stable because that's what we're working on. So that's one reason you might consider using them is that they should be pretty stable. Uh-huh. The other reason is if you want the latest and greatest features. So you see the right. ad code account tweeting out some cool new feature and they have a fancy GIF showing it off. If you want to use that feature, you probably need to be on Insiders um, to right. try it out right away. Um, it will be in the next uh, monthly release uh, as well. Um, but this is the Insiders builds are a great way to see the latest and greatest changes. Gotcha. It's also
1: incredibly helpful to us. So we appreciate when yeah. everyone, yeah. when anyone uh, uses Insiders.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, too. You know, you kind of get that
2: smell test, I guess, before right. everybody gets it and goes, whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah and they're great at catching uh, scenarios that you didn't realize even existed. So maybe somebody has a very specific project configuration that uh-huh. the new feature you added didn't quite support, um, and you would have never thought of that otherwise. Having all these users on Insiders is a great way to catch those type of bugs. That sounds like just building software
0: in general, right?
2: Yes. <laughs> oh, look, it works.
0: And then somebody comes along and says, I'm going to use it this way. And yep. it turns out, no, no, it, it doesn't work for them. And you've got to have all kinds of people using it for all kinds of things, right?
2: So, yeah, there's a, a lot of different communities that are using Visual Studio Code. So, JavaScript and TypeScript and web developers. And mm-hmm. then there's big communities around Go and other languages. Um, A lot of people using it for Python, uh, C-sharp too. So there's a lot of distinct communities that all have their their own needs and uh, interests.
0: Yeah, I can tell you the communities that I serve, it's made some pretty major inroads in, um, I wouldn't say major in Ruby, but people are starting to pick it up. Um, But yeah, JavaScript, all of the different frameworks that we have shows for, yeah, they're all picking it up and using it because all of the tooling is pretty seamless and it just, tells you what you need to know or do with your stuff. So, yeah, there's definitely the payoff there. And, you know, it's like I want it to do stuff for me, but I don't want it to be in my way. Mm -hmm. And I think it strikes a pretty good balance that way.
2: Well, I think that kind of captures the philosophy of VS Code pretty well, actually, is not getting in the way, but also enabling a lot of powerful features like debugging that just weren't available or hard to perform before, especially around JavaScript. Yep. Absolutely.
0: So uh, are there things that are coming down the pike a little bit further out that you're excited about?
2: Or? So one thing we just shipped recently API wise for extension authors is the WebView stuff. Uh So this is basically like an iframe that users or extension authors can customize in the editor and it lets them make their own UI and other experiences in the editor. It's really powerful. Um, So you can build things like visualizing tables or databases or other things. Um or you can make entire interactive experiences. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of interested in in seeing what types of things develop there. I think I, I don't think we want like email programs showing up in VS Code, for example, but I think it does enable, if used wisely, it enables some really cool experiences that people could create, where just right in the editor you can suddenly have all these neat visualizations or interactive experiences.
0: That's it. I know it's Chromium. I'm gonna pull in some Canvas stuff and Super Mario. Here we come. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool.
0: Any other features you've just released that you want to talk about, or should we?
1: Uh, I've been working on something called the Process Explorer. Um, uh-huh. This is a tool specifically for diagnosing performance issues. Ah, nice. Um, but basically, when whenever someone reports something, we want to know if someone says like this: "There's high CPU." We want to know what uh-huh. process exactly is causing it, right? Um, because we have a multi-process architecture. There's a ton of different things going on, mm-hmm. and sometimes it'll actually just be a misbehaving extension and so we want to be able to pinpoint it. Um, so the Process Explorer is just another window that will pop up and basically just list out everything that's running and their CPU usage and memory. Uh, so it's just a nice diagnostic tool to have.
0: Yeah, that sounds terrific. I mean, performance problems are some of the hardest ones to track down, right? Because mm-hmm. it actually works, so what's
2: slowing it up?
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: And yeah, that that that's really handy. And we do get a lot of issues that are reported where it's actually an extension that's causing the problem. So maybe the extension you know. overwrites some key binding and suddenly mm-hmm. the feature doesn't work anymore. Um, so this can help track down issues where extensions are misbehaving and maybe using up too much CPU or memory. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like browser plugins. Yes. It's like, <laughs> why won't this page work right? And it mm-hmm. turns out you have a browser plugin that's messing with it. Yeah. Same kind of thing.
2: Well, for um, JavaScript and TypeScript users, one neat feature that we've been focusing on recently is organize imports. Um, Uh So we added a preview of this uh, in the previous release, and in the current release, it's out of preview now. Um, This command will remove any unused imports in your file and then sort the remaining imports. Um, So you can just run it and just automatically will remove anything that's not in use. Um, We're improving this, so we recently added features like being able to run this whenever you save a file, which is super useful, so you never Mm -hmm. even need to run the command now. Uh, and we're continuing to tweak it and add other improvements in this, this current iteration. The other big thing that we're working on is always adding new refactorings for JavaScript and TypeScript. So things like extract method, extract constant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have uh, some other cool ones coming down in the in the pipeline here as well. Um, but these are kind of cool features that I never even thought would be possible in JavaScript and TypeScript before. But the TypeScript team has done a great job implementing these for both languages.
0: Yeah, and those are the kinds of features that I usually expect to see in an IDE. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's really handy, but you know, with all the other myriad things in the IDE, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I can live without that. So getting it in a text editor-like environment, that sounds terrific. All right, well, I'm going to start heading us toward wrapping up the show, and one of the things that we do on our shows is we do picks. And it's just kind of an opportunity to just show off who you are and give people recommendations for cool stuff. So a lot of folks will do, like, TV shows or movies they've seen or books or, you know, sometimes it's uh, technology tools, too. So, you know, you can pick a your favorite extension or something. But, yeah, anything like that. So uh, do you run your own freelance business first. or maybe oh. you're thinking about <laughs> picking up some spot. business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section.
2: I'm not trying... (laughs) Sorry, I'm freezing. I can't think of anything that would work on. I can can jump in there. (laughs) Go
0: ahead.
1: Uh, So one extension that I use all the time that I really like is called GitLens. So this adds a lot of functionality around Git history and Git blame. So one thing that it does that's very simple is it just adds sort of an annotation next to your current line where your cursor is that says, Uh this person edited this line this many months ago or this many weeks ago. Um, So that gives a lot of insight into how frequently has this code been changing and who's been working in this file. Right. Um, so I find that very useful.
0: Nice. I, I can jump in with some picks. So just being out here, you know, I, I've been going through some personal stuff and sometimes I, I've just needed downtime, right? So like yesterday I came, I recorded an episode and then I went back to my hotel and had a nap. But, uh, you know, some of the other things that I've been doing just to kind of unwind, I've been watching a show. It's a BBC America show. It's called Orphan Black.
1: Oh, yeah. oh I love that show.
0: Yeah, it's a terrific show. Um, I watched the first, I think, two or three seasons. And then, you know, because I watch it on Amazon Prime. We cut the cord, so I I don't watch it on TV, TV. But, yeah, I've really been enjoying that. Just started watching it over because I was like, I can't remember all the intricate interactions between all the characters. So that's been fun just to sit and and unwind. I also really liked the new Avengers movie, Infinity War. Um, I kind of wish that they had wrapped up the storyline, but they kind of didn't. Yeah
2: to wait another year for that, I guess. That's
0: right. But, you know, it was fun, and it was fun to see all those characters. So I've been enjoying that as well. And then, um, you know, just I've been planning ways that I can spend time with my kids this summer. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to picking up some fishing gear and just taking my kids out fishing. So, so those are some of the things that I've kind of been thinking about as far as uh, picks and things that I want to shout
2: out about. Well, if you have uh, Amazon Prime, I recently discovered they have a pretty good collection of dystopian 1980s Italian sci-fi movies, which is a very unique subgenre. Um, so imagine like uh, ripoffs of Mad Max. Um, so I've been watching some of those, and they're very cheesy, but very entertaining at the same time. <laughs> So I think the recent one I watched was called The Bronx Warriors, which was not set Uh in the Bronx at all, even though I think it was supposed to be. It was set in what looked like the middle of the desert, and then they were saying that it was supposed to be New York. Are they in English or Italian? Well, they are in English, um, Uh so just dubbed over in the most cases, Uh, but they're Uh exactly as cheesy as you would imagine them to be, but super entertaining.
0: That's too bad. Well, I, I lived in Italy for two years, so okay. I, I would much rather just watch them in Italian, but that sounds interesting. <laughs> Cheesy Italian. Yeah, that that's awesome. All right. Well, anything else you want to shout out about or mention before we wrap this up? No? No. no. All like right. We covered well, it. How do people find you online? I'm assuming you're on Twitter, maybe blogs, stuff
2: like GitHub, that.
1: GitHub. Find me on GitHub. GitHub.
2: Yeah, yeah, I have a Twitter account that I, I'll tweet things about Visual Studio Code, so if there's a new TypeScript or JavaScript feature, mm-hmm. I'll often send out a, a tweet announcing that so people can try it in Insiders. And if you have any feedback, just open a GitHub issue, and it'll get assigned to me, hopefully, uh, by the by the bot. Awesome. What are your handles on GitHub and Twitter?
1: Uh, McFarlane.
2: And I'm just
0: Matt Birner. All right. Well, thanks for coming and talking to me for an hour or so, and... Really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, All thank you. you. Thanks.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot to learn more.